4,976 people were killed in the first three months of 2021. This is 387 more people killed compared to the corresponding Welcome to Unsolved Murders SA, a podcast series where we will be delving into gruesome homicide investigations that, at the time of producing the episodes, were still open. The objective of this series is to keep the stories of the forgotten alive and hopefully help spark a memory for anyone listening in with intimate knowledge of the cases. The views, information or opinions expressed in this series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Swisher Post, its parent company and partners. Before we get into this episode, we'd like to thank you in advance for subscribing to our podcast. Every like, comment and subscription goes a long way in helping us grow our Unsolved Murders SA community. If you're a new listener, then please do us a favor and subscribe to our channel. Unsolved Murders Essay is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. You can also find the latest updates on South African true crime stories at swisherpost.co.za. Fatima Patel was a 28-year-old mother of three children from Lordi and Pretoria. She and her two sisters, Shakira Chinara and Rubina Good, were raised by their mother, Feroza Chinara. Growing up, Fatima was very ambitious. She had a fine taste for luxury, and while her upbringing was relatively humbling, she always pursued her dream of owning a home with a big enough yard to fit a stable for her white Arabian horse named Chai and a playground for her children. Fatima manifested her dreams, and between 2006 and 2007, she met the love of her life and the man who would become the prime suspect in her murder, Ramiz Patel. Ramiz is the son of mother Mahajin Patel. It's unclear where Ramiz originates from, but according to our research, he spent a majority of his life growing up in Nirvana a middle-class suburb situated in Polokwane, Limpopo. Ramiz was a successful entrepreneur with a number of wholesale stores in Polokwane. He met Fatima through a mutual friend and a year into their relationship, the couple married in what was an intimate wedding. The newlyweds settled in Polokwane, and while Ramiz soared in his entrepreneurship ventures, Fatima enjoyed a peaceful life as a stay-at-home wife. Fatima gave birth to three children who, on the day she was killed, were aged eight, four, and four months old. As a stay-at-home mother, she took pride in the healthy upbringing she and Ramiz afforded the children. Friends and relatives of the couple believed at the time that their marriage was strengthened by the true love they displayed for each other. Ramiz treated Fatima with the utmost respect. He bought her every designer handbag and shoes she wanted and on occasion funded her international escapades. Rubina vouched for her sister's love for Ramiz in a 2015 interview with You magazine where she said, Open quote. She loved everything about him. The way he treated her, the way he was with her. He swept her off her feet. 
close quote. The children seemed to be growing up in a happy home as well, and by all accounts, they adored their mother. From the outside looking in, Fatima and Ramiz were a dream couple. The family has always indicated that, in their interactions and encounters with Ramiz, they never saw any red flags. He always attended family gatherings with Fatima and never displayed signs of violence, at least not around Fatima's family. Reflecting on this in the same interview, Rubina said, open quote, Ramiz was always willing to be with us as a family and never had any issues. Of course, like every couple, they had ups and downs. A marriage, after all, isn't a marriage if you don't have a bit of a tiff. But no one ever thought something like this would come of it. Close quote. What would later be used in court as part of the state's argument in support of Ramiz's propensity for violence was that in his spare time he was a cage fighter. Cage fighting, or mixed martial arts, is a full contact sport which takes place inside a cage or similarly enclosed arena. To make the argument for how violent the sport is, since April 2019, there have been seven recorded deaths resulting from sanctioned cage fights and an additional nine from unregulated bouts. In a conversation between former UFC fighter Danny Downs and renowned sport columnist Ben Fowler-Keys, a question was asked, does MMA create violent people? Fowler-Keys' input as a former MMA fighter turned columnist was very interesting and could hold crucial perspectives on how Ramiz's character ought to be observed. Responding to the question, Fowler-Keys said, open quote, Think about what makes someone, in our view, a violent person. It's usually not how skilled they are in the application of violence, but how quickly they reach for it as a solution to every problem. I can't say it's not possible that all this MMA training only prepares people to think of a violent response as the appropriate one in every situation, but that seems way more like a defect of character than something you learn in the gym." Close quote. Did Ramiz have anything to do with the murder of his wife? What exactly transpired inside the Nirvana house on that fateful day? And perhaps, more importantly, did Fatima die at the hands of a burglar, or was it Ramiz who in a fit of rage, obliterated his wife. Much of these questions will be the anchor in our assessment of the murder and subsequent investigation. Fatima suffered an unimaginably violent death on the 10th of April 2015. She was only 28 years old. Police were called out to the house where Fatima resided with Ramiz and their three children after neighbors heard screaming and what sounded like a gunshot. One of the first people to enter the house was Khawi Van Puerta, a security patrol officer. Testifying at the murder trial in 2016, Puerta told the court 
that when he entered the house, he found Fatima bleeding in her husband's arms. Describing Ramiz's demeanor, he said, open quote, He was calm. He did not go crazy. He was just sitting, holding her. Close quote. Ramiz was drenched in his wife's blood, and from his observations, Boita believed Fatima was still bleeding profusely, possibly clinging on to what was left of her life. Boita was instructed by Ramiz to go upstairs and check if the intruder who supposedly killed his wife was still in the townhouse. Boita made a thorough inspection of the property and determined that if an intruder had been in the house, he was long gone. Except something was amiss. Boita told the court that he found no signs of forced entry and as far as he could tell, no windows were broken in the house. He added, open quote, The whole kitchen was full of blood from the sink. The curtain rail was on the floor with blood. On the fridge door, there was a bullet inside. Close quote. Fatima's body was bagged and transported to a forensic pathology center in Bologuan, where Dr. Arnold Mamashela performed the autopsy. In his report, Dr. Mamashela revealed that a bullet discharge from a 9.8mm firearm struck Fatima on the right cheek, just above her lip, and exited the back of her head. The gunshot wound caused bleeding in her ears, her eyes, and mouth. Fatima's hyoid bone, a U-shaped bone in the neck which supports the tongue, was also crushed meaning before the shooting, she was choked. Moreover, Dr. Mamashela also observed that the victim's jaw had been dislocated and her cheekbones were shattered as a result of blunt force trauma. This injury, it came to be found, was caused by a baseball bat she was struck with during the ordeal. When questioned, Ramiz claimed he arrived home on that day and found his wife lying in a pool of blood. Police were told Fatima was killed by an armed man in what turned out to be a botched robbery. Captain Motlaka Mashiane from the Westenburg Police District also testified at the trial. He revealed that immediately Ramiz was treated as the prime suspect in his wife's murder. Mashiane told the court that during interrogations, Ramiz could not provide a solid alibi on his whereabouts the day his wife was killed. He only told police that he was outside, within close proximity to the house, and ran to check on his wife when he heard the gunshot. Interestingly, however, and what continues to baffle police is, Immediately after Fatima was killed, Ramiz got out of his bloody clothes, took a bath, and changed into a new outfit. Reflecting on this bizarre behavior, Mashiana said, open quote, Immediately after the shooting of his wife, he took a bath. That's something abnormal. You find your wife in a pool of blood, 
and instead of calling the paramedics and the police, you take a bath? We find that amazing. Close quote. Bizarrely, soon after stumbling on his wife's body, Ramiz traveled to his uncle's house and took a bath, effectively washing away the blood and all trace evidence. He left the clothes he wore behind at his uncle's place and according to Mashiani, he changed outfits on at least three occasions that day. Police were sure they had the person responsible for killing Fatima. The victim had defensive scratch marks on her face. Coincidentally, Ramiz too had similar scratch marks on his neck. He could never explain how the marks came about. Six days later, on 16 April 2015, Ramiz was officially charged with the murder of Fatima. Following a series of postponements in his court appearances, Ramiz was released on 250,000 rand bail and was ordered to report to the police station three times a day. At the time of his arrest, Fatima's family could not bear the thought of Ramiz being responsible for his wife's brutal killing. However, when the details of his questionable story started crumbling in court, the family became convinced that he was the culprit behind the daughter's vicious death. Farouk Chunara, the uncle of Fatima, reflected on the last time he saw his niece in an interview with City Press in May 2015. It was during the Easter weekend and in conversation with Fatima, he had asked her if she was happy and she agreed. Reflecting on the conversation, he said, open quote, I somehow sensed that she was not telling the truth because her eyes told a different story. She promised to visit me on Wednesday and I was hoping to have a talk with her in the hope that she would open up. Close quote. That Wednesday came and went without Fatima returning as promised. Farouk at the time figured she had returned to Pologuan. In part, he was right. However, before heading back to Nirvana, Fatima made a pit stop in Centurion to spend time with her sister Rubina. Rubina, during her interview with You Magazine, had revealed that Fatima arrived at her home with her children that fateful week. It was the school holidays and the kids were enjoying a fun time with family. Fatima was supposed to stay longer, but according to Rubina, she cut her holiday short by a day since she wanted to surprise Ramiz by returning home early. She believed Ramiz would be ecstatic to see her, and anyway, his mother-in-law, Mahajin, needed help packing for an international trip. For Rosa, was still in contact with her daughter at the time and she revealed in the same interview with You magazine that Fatima had asked her to come along to Bologuan. Unfortunately, in a decision that still haunts her to this day, 
Feroza declined the invitation, stating that she had to attend a wedding that weekend. Reflecting on her last encounter with her daughter, Feroza said, Open quote, My last conversation with her was that Thursday she left. Sometimes I feel if maybe I went with her, it wouldn't have happened. If maybe we left with her on Friday, she would not be gone. Close quote. Fatima left Rubina's residence on the morning of Friday, 10 April 2015, and made the 288-kilometer trip to Bologuan. Hours later, in the afternoon on that same day, Shakira received a gut-wrenching phone call from Ramiz's cousin breaking the tragic news. When Rubina called Ramiz in an attempt to understand what had happened, his uncle answered and said there had been a break-in and Fatima was killed by a burglar. While this claim never sat well with Fatima's family, they were not prepared for the shocking revelations that came during the trial. This brings us to the end of part one of this episode. If you are listening to this episode and happen to have information that could help investigators, please contact SAPS's toll-free crime stop number at 08600 1011.